Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia. We've got a full week of programming starting right now, All, most of it dedicated to the Chicago Bears. Uh, tomorrow night, Dan Aguirre, myself, and Johnny Santucci will talk more Bears nonsense. We'll try to stay away from the, our main topic, which we're covering today, which is the Caleb Williams or Justin Fields uh, debate a couple of days ago or a few days ago. Uh, my buddy, Greg Gabriel, star of this show, sent out this tweet. Just talked to my producer at GTF. We decided that we're going to do a show with a few Caleb Williams lovers and preferably the ones that dislike my takes the most. Uh, it'll be your chance to take your shot at me on live YouTube. Any takers, contact me. And there is Greg. Greg, what motivated you to do this? <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I take hits every day. Yes, you do. Times a day. So I figure, well, what the hell? Let's talk about it. Let's see what they got to say. They can say I'm wrong, but now you got to prove it. Mm -hmm. And I'll be a nice guy, as I always am. I'm not nice on Twitter. I, I realize that. <laughs> but in real life, you know I'm a very nice guy. A very, very nice man. He's been at my home several times. I've been at his once, and he's always been the most polite and generous person. But on Twitter, yeah, he does. It is kind of a Jekyll Hyde thing sometimes. <laughs> well, hey, what the hell? Uh, you you're just fun. having fun. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, uh, don't be too nice to these guys, you know. So no, let's... I, no. we gotta be, they're nice enough to come on. We've got to be polite. Indeed. Okay. Well, I might not agree with anything they say, but I'm going to be polite. Well, let's find out if you agree with anything that Andrew Crane has to say, because Andrew has seen Caleb Williams up close and personal two or three times. Andrew, how are you, friend? Doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing great. great. Good All to right, hear. Well, we're gonna where in Utah are you from? I'm in southern Utah, a little town southern called St. George. Okay. Yep. Okay. Oh, where do you get your beer across the border? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Vegas is only about an hour and a half for me. So, yeah, I, I spent a month in Utah once. Uh, it, it, it was really one night, but because there was no liquor stores open, it felt like a month. <laughs> uh, Andrew, um, we're giving you and each of the other uh visitors here about five minutes to share your thoughts about uh, about Caleb. Greg can jump in at any time to challenge what you're saying, so why don't you take it away? Thanks, Aldo. So, Greg, I'm going to tell you something that I think you probably have never heard about Caleb Williams before, and this is my opinion on him from seeing him up close and personal. And I think Caleb Williams is a great leader and a phenomenal teammate. Let me explain to you why. So back in, not this season that was just played, but the year before, uh, USC played Utah in the Pac-12 championship game just down the road for me in Vegas. Caleb Williams started the game on the first drive with about a 50-yard run up the left sideline. Showcased his athleticism, his, his quickness, his speed. 
And then it was kind of odd. He slid out of bounds. I've never seen a quarterback do that before. Either, you know, run out of bounds or just slide. But he slid out of bounds and he came up and he was kind of hobbling. And you could tell something was wrong with him. And he actually tweaked his hamstring quite a bit. So Lincoln Riley wanted to sub him out. They had the backup warming up throughout the whole game. He was on the bicycle. They were warming up. In fact, multiple times in the game, the backup quarterback tried running out onto the field. Caleb grabbed him, said, no, <laughs> I'm winning this game for us. I'm going out there. Now, later in the game, I believe this was in the third quarter, his right guard, Andrew Voris, goes down and he tore his ACL. And it, it doesn't show on the TV broadcast, but as Andrew Voris is on the ground, all of USC's teammates go to the sideline to get ready for the next play and have Andrew get ready and leave. The only player helping Andrew Voris out on the field during that time was Caleb Williams, who was hurt himself, might I add. So injured Caleb Williams is the only player on the field helping out his injured teammate. Now, that's why I think he's a great teammate. And let me explain to you why I think he's a great leader. I know we make fun of him because he paints his nails and he's cried after games. Look, I was at two of the games that he cried after. Pac-12 championship game and the game that he lost to Utah up, in, up the road in Salt Lake City. Greg, my question for you is, would you rather have a quarterback who cries because, you know, their stats aren't good enough or, you know, oh, he didn't win the Heisman Trophy this year? Or would you rather have a quarterback who in that Washington game this year accounted for five touchdowns, over 500 yards, no turnovers, but because they lost by one point to the eventual national runner-up, he goes and cries? Well, I can debate some of that. First of all, in that Washington game this year, they lost 52 to 42. He threw for only 312 yards. But okay, okay, that I mean that's that was the numbers. And I, I have on another window the okay. stats for every game this year. Um, here's my my deal with Caleb. And going into the season, I loved him. Right. For the first five games of the season. I loved him. I wrote an article in Windy City Gridiron praising him up and down. Best quarterback we've seen in years. Okay. And then now, one thing you got to understand about scouting is scouting is always open-ended. Scouting is about acquiring information and you've got to have a fluid process because as you get more information, your opinion could change. Now, when I this might be a long answer, but it kind of helps. Like when I worked for the Giants and I went into a school, let's say I went into a school during two a days in August or for the first game of the year or whatever, I'm getting an early look. So all I see is the previous year's film. And then I see what I see in practice and or the game. And then somebody else goes in later, somebody else goes in later, somebody else goes in later. That's how we did it with the Giants. I never got to go back. So, you know, I only wrote what I saw. Well, when I came to Chicago and I ran the scouting department, my scouts never left their area and they saw their guys for a few years. And as many times as they felt was necessary during the course of the year to make sure they felt comfortable. 
The other people that saw him was the cross-checker who did strictly a, a tape study. Myself, if it was a need position. Jerry Angelo, if it was a need position. And then after the process, after the scouts got done, the coach got involved. So if it was a quarterback, it would be the quarterback coach and the coordinator. Now, you're going to have different opinions. And their grades never as good as the best, never as low as the worst. It's always somewhere in the middle. And you don't average them out because, you know, you try to see if the guy's getting better during the year or getting worse or whatever. So now let's get back to Caleb. Caleb looked like he could be an all-time great college quarterback up until the Notre Dame game. He stunk. Okay, one game. Who cares? That can happen to any quarterback. But the problem I have is that he never recovered from that game. He was never the same player. He never made the same plays. You watch him and you go, where's the magic guy I saw earlier in the year? Where's the magic guy who won the Heisman Trophy the year before? Then I talk to people who made school calls and have done backgrounds, and they will contradict you in saying that he's not a great leader, not the leader that you want a quarterback to be. And does the crime bother me? Damn right. I started playing this game when I was eight, so I've been involved in it. I'm 72. I've been involved in it 64 years. I've never seen that before, ever, after that Washington game. And there's just he's, – he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to be a good pro. Is he the guy you take at number one because there's questions? And I – just to go to, to Justin – I think the problem with Justin is he'd never been coached since he came into the league. I think Janaco and, and Getsy did a horrible job with him. Yeah. And I think the people around there know that. So it's like, why are you going to throw him out the window and forget about it? And now, and, and the last part, because I think we're running out of time here, but you can get a rebuttal, is uh, you're going to bring in more free agents this year. They're not coming here unless they think they can win. Right. They don't want to come to a team that's going to lose. You bring in a rookie. Don't tell me about Stroud. That happens once in every 15 years. Oh, that's fact. 100%. That, 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 that's fact. You're going to lose. You're going to lose this year and maybe lose next year. Why are these people going to come here? Your best chance to win is with Justin. But, you know, it's not my decision. It's going to be the, the hierarchy's decision. But I just, you know, my experience tells me that's what they're going to do. Right. And I, I see all of those points. Um, my argument back to you is while you're right, Justin, I, I agree with you 100%. Justin's never been coached to his strengths. It's never been this idea of, oh, if Justin Fields, you know, he's coached well, but if he gets weapons, even though that is part of the problem is there's no weapons, right? My rebuttal to that is Caleb Williams also, in my opinion, if you watch the film of USC last year, he also hasn't been coached. I don't think that we've seen, even in college, the tip of the iceberg of Caleb Williams. And I think you could agree with that because that USC offense last year was tough to watch. And I like Lincoln Riley quite a bit. 
I think he's a good coach. But yeah, but it's the same offense he's played since he's been a freshman because he played that same offense at Oklahoma. Right, and there was and no, it, and it's got some, and it's got some street ball to it. There's no question about oh, that. Sure. Okay, but and it's not a structured offense. So now, which brings up another question, and Daniel Jeremiah brought it up, and Daniel's a good friend. I've known Daniel for yeah. years and years and years. He brought it up in a, in a podcast last week, and he goes, "Well, he's not ready. He's he's got to, you know, he's got to go through a growing period and all that. I mean, because of the the style of offense he played in." Okay, great. I'm glad you said that. Then why are you taking him at number one and right. putting him in the starting lineup? Well, Greg, that's my that's my point. Is yeah, he's got some growing pains, but would you rather have those growing pains with a rookie quarterback who can grow and he's cheaper in two to three years than Justin Fields, who also has to grow? Right. Okay, because I, we're, I think- we're saying these things with Justin Fields, like, oh, he needs coaching. Oh, he needs weapons, which, like I said, I totally agree with. But I would rather have a younger player who, in my opinion, has a higher ceiling than Justin, which is a totally different conversation. But a younger player who will be cheaper, who can grow with the correct coaching versus a player who we've already tried it for three years. Let someone else go coach him so we can be cheaper and bring in more weapons to win. Well, see, here's where I don't agree. And and I'll finish it with this, Aldo, is that. You don't have to pick up his fifth-year contract. And I do believe, and I've said this multiple times, the Bears will draft a quarterback. I don't believe they'll draft a quarterback number one overall. I don't believe you have to pick up the fifth-year option. You make him earn it. And if he plays really well in 2024, you're glad to pay him because you've got a guy that you think is the man. And if he's not, then you've drafted a guy and, and you've got what's on the roster. Personally, I think Tyson Bage is pretty damn good. Now, that's another debate. Okay. Yeah. But uh, from what I saw last year between training camp, preseason, and when he got to play, he's pretty damn good. People say he doesn't have an arm that's full of shit. He's got a real strong arm. But that that that's for another day. But, you know, I'm not going to change my opinion on, on, on the player. Um and, and a lot of it has to do with what's up here, the leadership, uh, selfishness, entitled, I mean, my guy, uh, I can't take that at work. I just can't. And that, that's my experience saying that. That's not just being bullheaded. Right. No, and obviously we'll, we'll have to agree to disagree, but that was fun. Andrew, okay, you you were you presented your ideas, your your case very eloquently. Let people know where they can reach you on social media. We see it up on the screen, but for those listening on the audio podcast, because I got a feeling people are going to reach out to you and either say you were right or you were wrong. <laughs> so. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait. Yeah. So my my handle on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it nowadays is Andrew Correct. underscore Crane twelve. Andrew underscore crane with a C and the number 12. So thank you very much for being on. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. Take care. All right. Our next guy up is Nick G. Nick, where are you phoning in from? I am in Naperville. Good old Naperville. He's got an Erlacher jersey in the back. He's got a Bears polo around. Nice. You're a super fan. And I'm saying that in a nice way, not. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. 
And Nick, have they started breaking ground in Naperville for the new Bear Stadium? Oh, wait a minute. Forget about it. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's going to happen in Arlington tonight. <laughs> How many ways are the Bears going to bungle that? Oh, gosh. Uh, that's that's the, not getting bottled. That, this is all politics and negotiation. Of course. Of course. Yes. We'll see how it turns and, you know, out. And in the end, the school districts are going to buckle. That's my own opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Nick, uh, why don't you go ahead? Uh, you know how the game is played. Uh, sure. Make your opening argument, and then you and Greg can take the gloves off and uh, swing away. That's a deal. So first I want to start by saying thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm 53, so I've been – in the football world, as long as you have Greg, but I've been in a long time. I've been a Bears fan since the 70s when we have to root for Walter Payton to run for 100 yards. That's all you had. Um, I'm going to be a Bears fan next year, regardless of who the quarterback is. So, no, I do not want it to be Justin Fields, and I'll lay that case out in a minute. I would prefer it to be Caleb Williams. I'm kind of in the boat where you are. I do think that they skip that fifth-year option. I think they ride with him and they draft somebody else, I don't know if that's the best plan or not. It's not the plan that I would go with because I've already made up my mind about Justin Fields. He's not accurate. He is slow to throw the football. He is slow to release the football. He's got to work on his mechanics still. He worked on it last year. It looks like he needs to do some more work. In the 13 games he played this year, he had eight touchdowns and no interceptions in two of the games against really bad defenses. In the other 11 games, eight touchdowns, eight interceptions. He's only thrown for 225 yards six times in his career. He's thrown for 300 yards once. Joe Flacco was brought off of a couch, did it four games in a row, threw for 200 yards against us in one quarter with four backup offense alignment. He has never been good against a good defense. He is a great runner, but he's not particularly great at moving inside the pocket and making accurate throws. And his fourth quarter's have been a complete disaster. We're talking 32nd in the NFL when you when you take a look at most of his stats for a fourth quarter. So if that's the conclusion, then it's where do we go for another quarterback? So why go to Caleb Williams? The kid is accurate. He has a great release. He has a very quick release, especially in the short game. He does tend to throw the ball. I'm sorry. He does tend to hold the ball too long, which is – in line with what other great current great quarterbacks have done in the past. The difference between those quarterbacks and Justin is that they've adjusted to the NFL and they've dropped their time significantly. Caleb will have to drop that time. He went with a team that decided in 2022, when he won the Heisman, that they were going to become allergic to tackling on defense. They made they did nothing defensively 2022-2023. He basically had to carry that team. After that Notre Dame game, which his offensive line was overwhelmed, he was overwhelmed. He did not play well. He made some good plays, but he did not play well. I watched those other games after that, the UCLA game, the Washington game, broken down on tape, play by play by play. He still made great plays. He still made electric throws. He didn't make as many as he made the previous season. I think if the tape had ended after the 2022 season, this would be a very different conversation. But it didn't. He got to play some more, and there are some warts there. The whole thing about generational talent, a can't-miss kid. We know, you and I know, Greg, you remember Bobby Carpenter on the cover of Sports Illustrated, 1981? That just doesn't exist. It's not true. So to put that on him or to put it on anybody, it's not fair to the kid, and it's just not realistic. 
But are you going to get a kid that is a potentially great quarterback? Yes. Are you going to get a kid that has things that Justin doesn't have? Yes. He is a thrower first, a runner second. He's also a very good runner of the football, but it's not what his uh, talent is based around. It is all arm angles. It's a great arm. It's elusiveness inside the pocket. Does he make too many hero plays? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The last thing that I've got for you, Caleb has emotions. He's got the fingernail. That is the modern athlete. It is not what you and I grew up with. There are a lot more guys like him. You look at Marvin Harrison. He was wearing an, uh, an Apple watch and Gucci shoes in a game. That is Justin Jefferson's doing it. That's what these guys are doing. So we can either adapt or die. And it is definitely not. I mean, that would not have flown on the 85 bears. That wasn't going to work, but Jim McMahon still had his own unique personality. That's where Caleb is. All the stories coming out say this kid worked out at 4.30 in the morning when he was in high school. His dad pushed him, got him into it. He said he would walk on at Oklahoma if they wouldn't offer him a scholarship. This kid loves football. He may love it in a different way than you or I think that he should or that that we've seen in our lifetimes, but he still loves football. Okay, there's a lot to, to take in there. First of all, I don't agree with a lot of what you say, but that's fine. Um, let's take a look at his numbers for some of the years, because you say he doesn't hold on to the ball and he makes plays and all that. Well, just using this past year as an example, through the first six games, he got sacked, let's see here, four, seven, eight, 11 times. Starting with the Notre game through the end of the season, so another six games, 22 times. His sacks, just first six games versus second six games, doubled. And a lot of that, yes, some of it's on the offensive line. A lot of it's on the quarterback because he holds on to the damn ball too long. That offense is a street ball offense. It's not a structured offense. It's not an NFL offense. Okay, and... So he's going to need time to adjust. But that I don't know if you heard any of the last discussions. Were you? Yeah, I got to hear that. Okay, so because this is it caused me to repeat myself, but I don't want to, but I have to because we have. It's I see the talent. I got no problem with the talent. I do have a problem with the way he dropped off after the Notre Dame game. Right away, my experience tells me this: is he didn't handle adversity good. And if he didn't handle adversity good in the college game, how the hell is he going to handle adversity at the NFL level? Like I said about the crying uh, to, to Andrew when he was on, I've never seen that. And I've been involved in this game for 64 years now, starting when I started playing at eight years old. And it's, if you're going to have a guy who's a quarterback, he's got to be a well-respected by his teammates. And first of all, for the nails, I could give a damn. That doesn't bother me at all. But he's got to be a leader. He's got to be well-liked. He's got to be easily coached. And he's got to have the respect of the coaches, got to have the respect of his teammates, got to get along with his teammates. Okay, the reports that I have say that he's entitled, he's selfish, he's got a lot of I, me, my. Now, you can take that. Those are things that are, are totally foreign 
to JF as far as being, I mean, my guy selfish and all that. Is he as outspoken as I'd want him to be? And the vocal leader that I'd want him to be? Nope. And I'll go back to the talents there. You may see him make some throws that very few people can make. He's got a cannon. I don't know how big, big Caleb's going to be. We're going to know that by the end of next week. Um, he might only be six foot a half inch or six feet. And that's going to change the equation a little bit too. He's a big dude. I wouldn't be surprised if he, he comes in about 218. But there's little things. And it's, it, it's the second half of the season, the fall off, and then the character things. Is he a bad person? No. It's, it's the, is that what you want being the face of the franchise? And so to me, there's too many red flags to take him first overall. Because I'll say this, and I've been on the hot seat in, in the draft room. If Ryan Poles makes that decision and he's wrong, he just flushed his career right down the toilet. Don't you think if he make if he hangs on the fields and passes on Williams, where he passed on a quarterback last year, and let's face it, the Carolina Panthers only took Bryce Young because David Tepper, who is a financial genius and a football idiot, forced them to trade up, give up a King's ransom to move to one and take that kid. I don't know but, that that's totally fact that that I'm, I, I'm clearly they, speculating. I have no inside information, but okay, I guess my point to Scott Federer, the, the GM, is a good friend of mine. We work together in New York. Okay. Okay. So I, I, I think that Bryce Young was the consensus pick between the coaching staff and the personnel staff. Uh, is he Ryan the Pace guy? Is, or I'm sorry, Ryan Pope. Don't let me say Ryan Pace. Ryan Poles. Will get judged by whoever comes after this year. It's going to be Caleb Williams, and now okay, people are no, wondering I, I, why didn't I, you take Stroud I, at him last year? So if I, he stays with Fields, he gets. It's going to be who you. Well, you should have taken this guy. You should have taken. So it's always well, going to be. Wait, wait, wait. There's another side that nobody brings up. What if he doesn't take Fields? Fields go or doesn't take Caleb? Caleb goes somewhere else, and Caleb sucks. Regardless of what Fields does, what if Caleb sucks? It'll it'll still be put on him because he needs to find a quarterback. I well, I, I, I believe I, you heard the other conversation, and I've said this a thousand times. I believe they're going to take the quarterback, and they'll use one of the picks that they get from trading back. No, I I treat this as if, if I was still working in that building. This is what I'd be saying that if Jerry and I were still there. This is what I'd be saying to Jerry. This would be, he, he'd have the final say, but that would be my advice. Say, hey, this is what I want to do, and this is why. And I don't know if you heard him. He was on last week, mm-hmm. but he was emphatic about if you take a quarterback and and the character's not right, you're – and when I say character, I'm talking football character. For sure. Okay. If the character's not right, you just – you blew it. Because more guys bust, and this is a proven fact, more guys bust because of lack of football character than lack of talent. There's a lot of talented guys that that bust because they got no football character. Hell, we drafted one in the first round, Michael Hayes. You know, we missed on that. Okay. Yep. 
and it, his his football character was atrocious. A good guy, his personal character was off the charts. He he didn't love the game. If you don't love the game, you got. I do. I think that that Caleb likes the game. Yes, but there's the other things. It, it, it's how it, just the process he's going through, how he's handling the process. Doesn't have an agent yet. Combine starts next Sunday. He doesn't have an agent yet. Probably won't get an agent because I know agents who are involved or are trying to get involved. Probably won't hire an agent until after he's drafted when the, when the contract's got to be negotiated. That's stupid. That's somebody's giving him real bad advice. That's all entirely possible. And these guys have all, this is the first time and the only time he's ever going to go through getting drafted to the NFL. He's already made a lot more money than most guys in the past because NIL deals. He's, he's right. made millions of dollars. Whoever drafts him and he is going to go first is going to pay him a lot of money, even though it won't be on the scale of the second contract, which is what they're all trying to get to. So okay. I, I don't I don't totally disagree with the things that you're saying. My problem with the Bears taking keeping Justin Fields and drafting another guy, they've never developed one quarterback. And now we're gonna have two. Okay, now they got a they got a and, guy. And how are they in. gonna juggle drafting someone later that definitely has more flaws than Caleb Williams and fix the flaws of, of Justin say, Fields simultaneously? You know, you can put Different evaluators. I've said this a thousand times. You can put five scouts in a room, put the same tape on, and you're going to get five different opinions. That's the nature of scouting. Okay. It, it's a very subjective business. How many times have we seen the second, third, fourth, or fifth quarterback turns out to be the best quarterback in the draft? Hell, Brock Purdy got his team to the, to the Super Bowl, and he's the last player taken. Greg, here's the truth. Okay, look back at the last 20 years at least. The and how many are, how many number one quarterbacks have busted? There have been a few, but hold on one second. Look, the further that you get away from number one, the less chance that you have of getting a good quarterback. Finding a good quarterback. I don't agree with that. Don't I know agree with that actual, at all. But look back at it. Okay, once you get to that third quarterback, the drop off is massive. Unfortunately, except in Green Bay, where they got Jordan Love, who is one of the few fourth quarterbacks taken to do well. You get past the third or fourth round, now you're talking about a 3% chance of having somebody that's even good. It's uh, really yeah, difficult I, I, to find I, I, a, I don't agree with any of that. I know, but you just need to, to look at it. It's really difficult to find a good quarterback. But the NFL is very good at doing it within that set of circumstances, and they're really good at it, starting with the first pick. That first pick also happens to go to the worst team in the NFL most of the time. So it's skewed against them, but they're still very good at what they do. It's just that every once in a while we see Brock Purdy, and we don't see the ten other guys that were drafted that year that did not play well. Well, let's well, let's just look at some some recent first quarterbacks taken. Sure, doesn't matter if they're the first pick, first quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky, terrible. Carson Wentz. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, Jared Goff went first that year. That's right. No, you're correct. How about Joe Burrow? How about and we go to Troy Aikman? We can go to uh, no, Troy, Troy Aikman's and all. Kyler Murray went first. Look at Tro that. Troy Aikman. Okay. Wait a minute. You can use Troy. How many games did Troy Aikman win as a rookie besides you know, one? Because he went to a team that was terrible. And the Bears aren't anywhere near as bad right now. 
I'm not worried about games that Peyton. How many games did Peyton Manning win? You go through a good. Uh, he by the record for interceptions. He was he was not good. They okay. were not good. But by his okay. third year. But here's the thing, though. I'm willing to sacrifice. I've been waiting forever for a great quarterback. I don't care about 2024. They're not going to win the Super Bowl next year. I don't care who they get at quarterback. If Tom Brady comes out of retirement, they're not winning. Yeah, but the you know what? You're the coach going to get fired if they don't win. He he, they don't want to pay that. He had a failed defense coordinator who was only there for a year. They fired a, an offense coordinator probably a year too late, and somehow the coach keeps his job. He had two or three games where they were a 90% chance or better of winning, and they lost those games, and the coach keeps his job. They don't want to pay his salary going forward. They like him a lot more than you or I think that they should or that, that you oh, or no, I think. That I, I, I'm a fan because, I again, I, I've sat in the chair for a long time. But, but – the fact is, if they lose again, if you draft a quarterback and play them, they're going to lose. It's a fact. It is not. Don't, a fact. don't tell me. Don't tell me Stroud because that's <laughs> happened once in every fifteen years. It does not. You are correct. It does not happen very often that a rookie quarterback, especially taken that high, will take a team to the playoffs. But it's a different circumstance because we didn't have to trade up and give up capital. We have plenty of draft capital to make this team better. We have plenty of free agent money. You don't to spend. have plenty of draft capital to make the team better. You got five draft picks or six draft picks. You don't have one in the second round. They're gonna, you they're don't gonna, have any no, six in the seventh. They're going to get something when they trade Justin Fields, and they're going to trade that ninth pick ultimately and get more draft capital. Yeah, and guys will see. come here because it's Chicago, and because they're getting paid. Don't count. They care about money more than they do about. They care about money. People they don't believe care about that they can. Come. They'll I come care. and play with Caleb Williams just as much as they would with. If anyone looks yeah. at the stats doesn't of Justin Fields, they wouldn't ever out. want to come here. Doesn't work. Darnell Mooney went from a thousand yards to nothing. Our guys. And you think okay? And do you think that you know that was fault was the guy the Justin two Fields that got fired? No, it's the two people that got fired. Justin Fields threw to him when he had his best year too, as a uh, in in Justin's rookie year. Most of so those yards came to Andy Dalton. Okay, it was Andy Dalton only played the first four games in that year. Justin and then he had Nick there. Foles because he got hurt or whatever, but I don't believe that okay. Justin Fields made Darnell Mooney. Mooney had his best year with, with Justin Fields thrown to him. Mooney, the, the people that are responsible for the lack of reduction for Mooney both got fired. The wide receiver coach and the offensive coordinator. All these teams, all these NFL teams, blame the offense coordinator. This is my last point. Sorry, Aldo. I know you want to get rid of me. 16 new offense coordinators in 2023, 16 new offense coordinators in 2024. They're pointing at the wrong direction. Bill Polian has been on ESPN, and he will tell you all the coaches in the NFL are good. I'm not here to defend Luke Getze. Don't put me on that side, okay? I'm not sitting here going, oh, why did we fire Luke Getze? But somehow he got another job. They're all pointing at these guys. The problem is there is a shortage of guys who can be quarterbacks in the NFL. There are not 32 of them, let alone Well, you're, you seem to be positive that Caleb's going to be a quarterback. I'm not positive that he is, but I know that the guy that we have is not, and I know that well, I just drafting the best guy gives us the best chance of finding him. I disagree. Agreed. <laughs> Great debate, uh, Nick. Uh, excellent job in presenting your thoughts. Uh, a lot of people in the chat room agree with you, and a lot of people agree with Greg. we got a record uh, amount of people. Thanks very much for being on, Nick. Have a great Thanks day, Paul. Thank you.
All right, the next person we're going to bring on is uh, Gabe, uh, who goes by the handle on Twitter uh, as NFL Casual. Welcome to the show, Gabe. You're muted. All right, Greg and all those. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Go ahead and make your opening arguments. Yeah, wait a minute. We got Gabe and Gabe here? Yeah. How about that? <laughs> I don't know if I like that. We're able to agree on <laughs> What happened? Okay. All right, so – my first Shoot, question, my yeah, my first question would be, I don't really see the process behind uh, Ryan Poles banking on Ryan Pace's quarterback and Justin Fields to pretty much shape the entirety of his career as a GM. I think this is the best opportunity that Ryan Poles will have to select his own quarterback. Yeah. I think he will end up taking Caleb Williams at one. You seem to think that they're going to hold on to Fields and I'm guessing draft a McCarthy or a Penix, a Knicks. And I just personally don't see that as the best option moving forward because a guy like Penix and Knicks, they're they're pretty much as old as Fields, so they're not really the sit and develop type of guys. I think guys like teams like Knicks is Knicks is twenty three. Okay. But he's you know, he's up there, he's been in college, he's not an early he's declarer. Five, like he's been Williams. in college five years, which yeah. for a lot of offensive linemen is a typical career. Right. But just think about the quarterback position. I think they're more sought after if they're declaring early. I mean, you look at Caleb okay, Williams. I, I, when I came into the league and the first team I was with, I was with Buffalo on a part-time basis. Then I went to the Combine, and then I went to the Giants. So Bill Parcells was the coach. And the theory then, and that theory should never change because it's valid then and it's valid now, that if you want a quarterback – he better be a three-year starter. Now, the, the the number of throws that they used back then and they didn't throw the ball anywhere near as much as they do now was 900. Well, how they throw 900 and seed and a half now because they throw the ball. So the game's paid. Now, Caleb fits that three-year starter because he was a starter at Oklahoma. And I go back and you're the, you know, I, I keep having to repeat myself, which I don't like to do, but because of the way we got the set up, it has nothing to do with the talent. I see the talent, except I don't like the drop-off. I've, I've said this question. Somebody tell me why he never recovered from the Notre Dame game. The only person who can is somebody from USC. Okay, somebody can have a I, – I argued this point with, with Kuiper last week, and he goes, well, the team didn't want to win. They had some bad guys. Well, they had 12 – or nine guys invited to the combine. You know, yeah. and – you know, so I, I don't want to hear that. I, I would just say, I mean, you say that he fell off after the Notre Dame game. I would say that yeah. whole team fell off as a whole after the Notre Dame game. I mean, especially well, their defense. Grant, the defense wasn't good. Lincoln Riley's never had a good defense. I'll give you that. But he wasn't the, the magic player that he was the previous year and for the first half of the 23 season. Okay, so there was a noticeable difference in his play. He held on, to, I, as I mentioned to the the last guy on, uh, Nick, he, he got sacked 22 times in the, or in the second half of the season versus 11 times in the first half of the season. That's crazy. Okay, and don't say it's on the offensive line. Because, yeah, part of it is, but not all of it. Because a lot, yeah, of the flaws not... you, a lot of the flaws you could say that JF has 
holding on to the ball, trying for trying to make the big play versus taking what's there, is you know, he does the same things. And he's never, since he's been in college, played in a structured offense. And when you get to the NFL, you gotta play in a structured offense. Right. And I think that would be lazy to just blame it all on the offensive line or the receivers for why a quarterback isn't performing like he should. But just going back to my first point, I really don't see why Ryan Poles will stick with Ryan Pace's quarterback. And it's not even like we're debating, you know, should we keep a guy like Cutler who can throw for over 20 touchdowns, who can throw for over 3,000 yards. I mean, we really haven't seen Fields do much as quarterback. He can't really stay healthy. He can't pass over 2,500 yards. He hasn't broken that 20 touchdown mark. And we can blame Getze and Nagy. But what happens if we head into next year and, oh, well, Waldron's offense doesn't look that great for Fields. He looks held back. Waldron's offense, the base offense, is the exact same offense. As to whose? Getze's. Right. They're all derivatives of the McVay-Shanahan offense. So, I mean, with that. Waldron learned learned his offense from Sean McVay, working for Sean McVay. In, in the Rams, McVeigh got it from Shanahan. The terminology, you know, that's the same. It's how you use the offense. And that's where Getsy went wrong. He didn't know how to use it, didn't know how to implement it. He knew the offense. He couldn't implement it. That's why you got you got a game where you use seven bubble screens. What the hell are you doing when one of them didn't work? Yet he tried it six more right. times. And if they're going to essentially run the same offense. I just don't really see it making sense to run it back with Justin Fields. I think with the offensive staff that they brought in, it would just make more sense that they're going to develop a rookie quarterback and not, you know, Drake may possibly Drake may. I don't know. So you're ready, know you're ready, to, lo- you're ready to lose again. I don't, And that's another one of your points I disagree with. I think Caleb Williams, right. A, will be the most NFL ready quarterback to come out of this class. He's and never played the structure that even 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 the guys well a friend of mine just and Daniel Jeremiah is probably the best analyst out there, draft analyst. Okay, and Daniel worked in the league for Baltimore and Philly. I took a spot and when he went to the NFL network, I took a spot as a consultant for Philadelphia. But I've known Daniel since he came into the league. He even said last week on a podcast, he isn't ready to play. Well, if he isn't ready to play, yeah. we'll take him first overall. He's good. I, I and think, he's good great. He, but he isn't ready to play. And my statement saying he's the most NFL ready is more about his talent. I think he creates better than any of the quarterbacks that are coming out of this class. Certainly has a better arm. I think he's a better distributor. I mean, even got a better, better than arm than Daniels coming. From, from LSU. Yeah. I do believe that, especially when you want to talk about the deep ball. I think he's more accurate. I think he delivers a better touch on it. He has a better job of dropping his arm angles to fit the ball into a tighter yeah, window. Yeah, arm angles I'll give you. I won't especially give you if you want to, especially if you want to go into, you know, the NFL where windows close a lot faster. That's where a lot of the Mahomes comparisons come from. Is his ability to? It's third and fourteen. Everybody's running scramble drill. He's still able to find this guy and keep his eyes downfield. I mean, that's that's where all the Mahomes comparisons come from. It's not because you're just okay, running around in circles, chucking it deep. It's just creativity. I learned this 40 years ago from George Young, who was the general manager of the Giants when I started there. So I started there in 84. And one of the George, one of the things George said to me was, number one, he wouldn't use comps. 
He goes, because the NFL is not Hinduism. We don't believe in reincarnation. Each player is their own entity, their own separate. You can't you say, oh, he's got some similarities to a player. Right. But and I'm not trying player. to say, no, I'm not I, trying to I, say I, he I is the it, same. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just trying to say that's where a lot of those uh, comparisons come from. But the football character of Patrick Mahomes, the he's a crybaby. He's a crybaby. He's a crybaby. Who is? Mahomes. He is not. He's turned, okay. he's turned into a crybaby. He, they, he maybe that's come with him. Like, he's a strong leader. He wants to win badly. He loves football. You can say all those great things about Williams. What? No. I believe you could say all those things about Williams. What? You, have you made a school call? I mean, I haven't. You have me beat there for sure. But uh, if oh, you I just made want a school call at, either, but I've talked to people that have. And there's a question. I mean, selfish? Yeah, selfish? Entitled? Selfish? But as you said, that's a lot. That's not, you know, stranger to JF1. And, you know, I'm just trying to bring it back to, you know, Williams against Fields. We can debate Caleb Williams versus this hall that everybody is, you know, imagining. No, I'm debating. This has nothing to do with JF with me. Is it? It's not the right guy. Caleb Williams is not the right guy to take because of the faults. And so you can't risk taking a guy first overall in the draft that has faults. He better be a surefire can't miss. I don't want to hear generational because that's that's thrown out the window. That was thrown out the window in the Notre Dame game. Okay. He's not generational. Is he good? Yes. He's very good. Okay. He's got a lot of talent. He's got talent that has to be harnessed. He needs to be coached. He needs to learn to uh, play within structure. And he's not a leader, according to people who, who've made calls to find out your your quarterback better be a damn leader. Doesn't have to be a vocal leader, but he's got to be a leader. That's what the one thing Mahomes is. Mahomes is a leader. Josh Allen is a leader. So no what do you think about that? What do you think about just the quarterback situation if they don't take Caleb Williams? I mean J- Justin Fields, you stick with him in I think they're still gonna take a quarterback. He I could he could demand I don't know who. you know a $50 million contract when this guy hasn't even, he hasn't you bought don't a playoffs. You don't have to pay. No, see, that's what people but then, But then there, you're just banking on a rookie quarterback. No, you, who, you don't have to pick up his fifth-year option. You make him earn it. That's okay. That's fair. But say he doesn't earn it. Say he doesn't. I mean, you're a lot gonna, of people are saying he I, progressed. They're going to, because I still think they're going to draft a quarterback too. And there's, I just, no, there's yeah. no rule that says just because he's not the first pick in the draft, he can't be good because I just I'm not. Yeah, and I, I'm not saying that. the last pick in the draft was in. The I mean, we were for the last what twenty years. Aaron Rodgers owned us. He he fell. He wasn't so the first up. quarterback drafted. Jordan Love. He had what Jordan, three quarterbacks taking over him. So I'm not saying Aaron that Rodgers Caleb Williams is, like is going to be the best pick or twenty second right. pick in that draft. And I don't I don't think Caleb Williams is going to be the best quarterback in the draft just because every mock you see on ESPN, Bleacher Report, etc. Mock drafts are, are overall. useless. Right, they are useless. I'm just going based off the talent that we've seen on the field, even if you want to dig into the film, and even if you want to hear what scouts are putting out when they're writing their articles, what guys are saying they're hearing from execs, you know, that's you could take that with a grain of salt. But the consensus is that Caleb Williams is the most talented quarterback. I think a lot of that notion was lost, you know, after the Notre Dame game. And I think a lot of people are just tired of hearing how good everybody thinks Caleb Williams is. I think you know, prospect fatigue 
is a real thing. Everybody's just tired of hearing how great this guy is before he's played a single snap. But I think he's the most talented quarterback and keeping Justin Fields on a one-year prove-it deal. I mean, this was supposed to be his one-year, you know, prove-it. That's at least what we had, were all told when they brought in DJ Moore for this guy. Yeah, and, then, and I'll go back to what I, I said to everybody else. They fired a bunch of people on the offensive side of the ball for one reason. They didn't know what they were doing. I think that has hurt Justin Fields' development dramatically. I agree. But, you know, to me, I think Fields can go to another franchise and be developed there. If we're still developing okay, a year three, what, uh, a year three quarterback, point. I'd rather develop a rookie. What if, what if I'd rather develop Pittsburgh or Atlanta or someplace and he turned out to be great? You don't think that the, the swarm of people in Chicago aren't going to throw that back in but Ryan Cole's face? Just five, what well, I mean, longer than five years ago. I keep thinking five years ago is 2017, but we can go back to Mahomes and Trubisky. We could have another repeat there. We keep the guy that we like. We let Mahomes and, in this case, Caleb Williams, not you know, you know, making the talent comparison. Going that? into that draft, what you ought to read is, is today's uh, Football Morning in America article that Peter King wrote. It's on the uh, Pro Football Weekly or Pro Football Talk website. And uh, he has a big a lot of stuff in there about Mahomes, about where people have him. And there's set, six or seven high-valued analysts all had him ranked in the 20s of that draft. Right. And e- even if you listen to, I believe it was Kansas City's GM at the time. Uh, I don't know. I'm just like John Dorsey. John Dorsey yeah. was the GM. And he was yeah. saying – I mean, the analysts were just tearing Mahomes apart. He has no footwork. He can't play in structure. He lo- he loves hero ball. He loves to hold on to the ball too long and occasionally turn it over. He hasn't beat any top 25 teams. He hasn't really played any solid defenses because in the Big 12, I mean, it's pretty much like they just let the offense run out there. Nobody's really doing anything. But, you know, did they have Mahomes sit for a full year? They did behind okay. Alex Smith, well, but yeah. unfortunately the Bears don't have that luxury. Alex Smith. It had everything to do with he wasn't ready to play. That's fair, yeah. Okay. But so, I think it also has to go with the system he was brought into and the weapons, which I'm not saying the Bears have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid, but we are certainly far away from the Carolina Panthers who are bringing a Bryce Young into a situation okay. where – Well, I haven't worked for Andy Reid for one year. I'll say this. And I firmly believe it. If Patrick Mahomes had gone anywhere but Kansas City under Andy Reid, he wouldn't be anywhere close to where he is right now. You don't even guys. Think he would. I'm, I'm going to cut it off here, Gabe. You've been an excellent contestant. Uh, go back and read some of the comments. You got platitudes and you got criticism. And <laughs> somebody called you a 15, 15 year old. Somebody said that you outscored Greg. So uh, it's all over the board here. Uh, and so thanks for uh, uh, very much for joining us. And I got our next person coming in. Hey, by the way, uh, Gabe, uh, let people know on social media where you're at. You'll probably get a lot of uh, attention from this. Yeah, uh, on Twitter, the handle on the bottom, NFL Casual underscore YouTube, just NFL Casual. And uh, there you can find links to my other socials. So, Greg and Otto, thanks for having me on. You got right, it, brother. Thank you. Take thanks. care. All right, I can think of you know nobody- what's wrong with this. You know what's wrong with this is that I got to keep repeating myself, which yeah. I don't like doing. You know, you got to use, you know, got to go back to the argument that you used before because 
you know, those are valid, but you got to start all over again. All right, well, that's fine. Well, I thought we got one more, or don't we? Yeah, we do. More? We do have one more. Uh, next time we do this, we'll, maybe we'll just have everybody involved at the same time. We'll we'll try playing it that way. But the next person, uh, I can't think of a better person, to kind of be our cleanup hitter in this debate than our very own uh, Jordan Silvera. Uh, Jordan is on the screen right there. Hey, Jordan, how are you? Good morning, fellas. Good to be here. Greg, it's nice to finally speak to you. And Aldo, thanks for having me. You bet. Jordan, how you doing, man? I'm well, sir. How are you? I'm good. All right. So the way we play this game, Jordan, is you've got the floor at first, and then both of you guys go at it. And uh, we've got uh, about 20 minutes, so go at it. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Greg, I, I certainly I feel confident talking about whichever quarterback you'd like to. I think I'm a little different than some of the previous guys. I think I'm a little more, more on your side with – I wouldn't particularly take Caleb at number one. I'm more of a Drake May guy myself. But uh, like I said, I'll try to leave it kind of agnostic. You can sub in Caleb, Drake, whoever you want. I think that we're both a little higher on J.J. McCarthy than the general public. But uh, just in that sense, I think to me, some of the, the concerns I have is I've heard you – some of the arguments you've made that you think they'll trade off of spot number one, take a quarterback later – I guess one of my the umbrages I take with that is the idea that if you like a guy, why would I consider moving off and having that guy taken? And of course, if you like, you know, let's just say the, the Brock Purdy's of the world where clearly that guy is going to be available at 40 to 50, pick 30, then sure, it doesn't hurt you to move back to 12. But, you know, let's take J.J. McCarthy, for example. Do you really want to move back to 15 and potentially risk that somebody gets hungry for a kid like him at number eight, number nine? If you like a guy and you have conviction, you take him at the first opportunity. Well, so, I don't. Okay, yeah. I, let me let me just say this: I don't want Caleb Williams. It has nothing to do with the other guys. Okay. I don't want him. I am not sold on him as a person. I like his. I like his talent. Okay, and as I said to the other guy, I might have said it too. Nobody can tell me why his game fell off starting with Notre Dame and finishing up that season. You never saw the same quarterback again. And I don't care about what the stats say. I'm looking and I watched every play of every game. You didn't see the magical player. The decision-making wasn't as crisp. The throws weren't as good. He got sacked double. He got sacked 22 times in that last six games versus 11 times in the first six. You know, that that's, his accuracy fell off. Big playability fell off. Interceptions really he had four interceptions and three of those were at Notre Dame. So it wasn't interceptions. It's just, you know, I, I thought going into the season and after like three games this year, that hey, you fight for this guy. You might want to tank for him. But then you get to see that. And then I get background information that I'm not going to go in depth in because it's not my place to do that, but I want him. You know, I, I don't want him as, 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 so I would rather get out of the pick, let somebody else have him. If he turned out to be great, fine. You know, it doesn't matter what he turned out to be. It matters what this team does with or without him. And in my case, without yeah, it you know it's interesting to me i think the reason why you hear me say personally if i was the chicago bears from ryan poles i'm likely siding with drake may just because it's hard to pass down the prototypical size the development what he's shown he's got his own issues every quarterback every prospect has their own issues coming into the class but um particularly i think that one of the areas that we share common ground with is that i one of my issues with caleb caleb williams and again i don't know caleb williams but 
you talk about the Chicago market, you talk about the Chicago media and having a rookie come in dealing with losses. And we saw him and I don't have any issue with him running into his arms of his mother after a game that is I do. I got a huge okay. issue with it. Why, why is that? I've never seen it. I said it before. I started playing the game when I was eight. I played until I was 31. So every year between eight and 30 when I played the game. Been involved at the NFL level ever, ever since. And I've never seen it. And I've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of football games. I have never once seen that in the game. I've seen a guy like upset when he got hurt and he might, you know. But the context doesn't years. matter to you, Greg. The context that you're 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 coming that off. That you're of gonna a, crawl into mommy's arms like a little two-year-old. Well, and so this is the argument that I'd have is I don't think he particularly fits the tough media market of Chicago that when he loses, what's what's gonna happen? You know, you're gonna have the TVs turning off and everything else in Hellas Hall. But I mean, to me, I think that you know, somebody else is saying this is the beginning of a new generation, Greg. And I think to me it's what Caleb Williams appears a little misunderstood in the sense that I think he's the first kid that's coming out with NIL money that is the first millionaire entering the NFL where he comes of a different ilk. But to your point, I mean, let, let's talk a little bit about the stats. You say he fell off after Notre Dame. I guess I'm just a little confused because to me, when you're talking about a guy that is losing games by a single point when he's putting up, you know, uh, 32 points, 49 points, 42 points, 27 I, I agree with you. I think he played a little more conservative, played tougher competition. But to sit here and say that he dramatically dropped off, I just think is, is erroneous. Uh, you saw you saw a guy in 22 when he won the Heisman and the first part of the year that, like, he could name the big play and he was going to make it. Okay, And there was no ifs, ands, or buts about his play. You know, you just – there was just a lot of wow in in, in his play. Then when you saw, starting with the Notre Dame game, he it's like he played with doubt. Yeah, he made some nice throws. But that that strength that he had, that pizzazz that he had, it just wasn't there. You could see because you're looking for him. I'm going, okay, he had a bad game. I'm looking for him to bounce back this game. No, I don't see it. You know, and then – it was only like two games later, maybe three games later, he has the Washington game where he has the breakdown at the end of the game. You can't do that. You know, I, you know, you, you got to have some intestinal fortitude and, and show your strength. And he, and in that situation, he let the whole world know that he can't handle adversity. They didn't win and he had to go cry in mama's lap. <laughs> and 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 that's you know that bothers me. Okay. Am I old school? Yeah, I am old school. No question. I was raised in this game by the old school coaches and the old school GMs. But you know what? Old school wins. Okay. And so let me ask you, and please correct me if I'm wrong, and if I okay. if I misrepresent your opinion. But are you of the mindset that you'd like to keep Justin Fields as the Chicago Bears quarterback going into next season? Presumably quarterback one with the idea that they draft somebody to develop behind him. I'd like like him this year, yeah. I want to see what he can do with an established coach, which Shane Waldron is, and a good quarterback, which the quarter a good quarterback coach, which they have. And and I don't know that man, you know, I've never met him or anything. Uh, Jared Payton knows him well, and Jared Payton speaks the world of him, especially about his knowledge and his ability to teach. 
the 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 offense itself is the same base offense, but it's going to be used a lot differently. I want to see what he can do when he's when he's actually coached by people who know what the hell they're doing. I don't like I I you know I wrote an article after the third day. I threw up the white flag. I said that's it. He's done. He can't play. And then I started looking. I go, wait a minute. I went back, watched all the games. I go, I don't think it's him. I think it's the guy coaching. Because you did. In fact, he played better as a rookie. And I'm not a big fan of Nagy's. But it, it, it's like this offense was so terrible that put him in situations that he never should have been in. No, I, I agree. I just think that inherently when you talk about Justin Fields, there's a lot of context involved there. And I mean, you know, you're talking about how inept uh, Luke Getze and that offensive staff were. And the reality is you still have the head coach that thought that those were the guys that could steward the development of Justin Fields. And yeah, now you, but he corrected his mistake, didn't he? I mean, I suppose. But the reality is, is that we can talk about Shane Waldron having the same basic principles, philosophies that Luke Getze shared. But the reality is you're still going to ask Justin Fields, who's in his fourth year, who's still trying to pick up some, improve some of his game, develop, to learn new terminology. Okay, well, I'll use, I'll use the best part of the argument for this. Geno Smith was a flat-out freaking bust. And I'll tell you a story about Geno Smith. I was working for Philly when he was coming out. So this was the 2013 draft. And we brought Gino Smith in for uh, one of the 30 visits. And Gino gets in, you know, he's waiting in the lounge area, waiting for to, to be interviewed by Chip Kelly. He gets into Chip Kelly's office, who was the head coach. He was a rookie head coach. Here's what he's doing the whole time. Playing with his freaking phone. Not even looking at Chip Kelly in the eye. But right away, we took him off our board. Because it's like, where the hell is his head at? Okay, now he he was a journeyman pro his whole career until 2022 when Shane Waldron got a hold of him. And all of a sudden, he goes to the Pro Bowl. Well, and, and how about this? His ability to get the ball off improved by like a second. Which With how huge. much time in between? That's, that's the thing, though, Greg. And this is where I'm a personal believer that I'd like to see Justin Fields go to a place where I don't want him in Pittsburgh or somewhere where he's going to start right away. You, the thing that you're talking about with Geno Smith is a guy that had to sit and watch and learn behind Eli. You know he, they, they tried to put him in. He stunk. Sure. And over time, he developed. And I hear what you're saying, that Shane Waldron is this soothsayer that's going to develop Justin Fields. No, I, I, I'm not saying he's a horse whisperer you know, or a quarterback whisperer. But I saw what he did. Don't forget, now Justin's going into his fourth year. Okay, so but but and, and he's a smart guy. Geno Smith is not a smart guy, in my opinion. Okay, he he took a guy who was terrible. It's like nobody expected them to win with that guy, and he had a Pro Bowl year. That says something. It's sure, like, I absolutely think he's a better coordinator than Luke Getze, but I still think that inherently, I mean, we we can, th that's the beautiful part about this conversation, this argument is that there's so much nuance to it. I mean, you talked to Ryan Poles, I don't expect you to divulge anything that you talk with him about, but the reality I haven't is talked to, I have not, I have not talked to him recently. I watched so, the G okay, please. No, go ahead. I, I mean, like I said, I, I've never, okay. about this stuff, never once. Well, because the reality is I watched a GM and 
I'm not, I, I don't personally agree with the, the way that he operated, but I understand that he did what he thought was best for the whole team, not one player. But I watched a GM of the Chicago Bears come in and sacrifice a vested interest in Justin Fields by surrounding him with, you know, salesmen at wide receiver at offensive line and say, look, Justin, you're going to have to bear the grunt of a really terrible system. And now I'm supposed to believe that that same GM that sacrificed a young quarterback in a key developmental area is now going to ride with that guy, put his career on the shoulders of the previous GM selection and not decide to plant his flag on a new quarterback that he personally selects that buys him a new timeline with George McCaskey with Kevin Warren to say, Hey, like, cause your point, one of your points, Greg, is that a rookie quarterback can't win. I'm not even here to necessarily disagree with that. There's examples of it, Stroud, Andrew Luck, et cetera. But the reality is you're probably not going to win many games. But what that does – Andrew win, Luck didn't win as a rookie. Okay, but my point is, is that if I'm Ryan Poles, what that does by me is that if I draft my own quarterback, I'm planting my flag and saying, hey, Kevin, hey, George, I know it was a bad year, but come on, he was just a rookie. Let's give him a couple more years. With Justin Fields, if it flames out now, you've had three years as a GM – You've brought back your head coach who's, you know, I think it's fair to say he's on at least a warm seat considering the guys had a 29% win percentage in, in Chicago. I think that if you're Ryan Poles, you have to look at every opportunity because we're in a league outside of maybe Tom Telesco where GMs don't get a second opportunity very often. So if I'm going to go down with the ship, I want to make sure I'm not going down with Ryan Pace's guy. I want to go down with my guy. And the it just happens to be that if I plant the flag with a quarterback that I draft, I have a longer lifespan, lifespan, lifeline um, with the organization. You just I don't know if I, I totally agree with you because if they if they lose and they will lose if they, and I don't care who the rookie is, whether it's Caleb Williams, JJ McCarthy, Daniel, whoever, they're going to lose if that guy's the starting quarterback. Okay, and I, I just look at and, and people like I, I look at the things that the president had said both of the postseason presser and last week when uh, Jared Payton interviewed him. I think I look at the things that Paul said at the postseason presser and there was nothing but what praise for JF. He's gotten better, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and Kevin Warren also in future tense. I'm glad he's a bear and he's going to do this, he's going to do this, he's going to do this when he gets in that that interview. So and people go, well, he's trying to drive up the trade value. That does not drive up the trade value. I mean, people who've never made a trade can say that. But what drives up the trade value is how many teams are interested. And if you've got one team interested, you don't got much value. If you've got three teams interested, now you're pushing up value. And, and I could say what I want, and Poles could say what he wants, and Kevin Warren could say what he wants. None of that's going to drive up any kind of value whatsoever. Yeah, see, it's it's interesting to me because I think that I'll be the first to say I'm I went with you, Greg. I think that Justin Fields is an incredible talent. I think he has splash plays, special special ability. But to me, I look at that as that's a blessing. Be thankful that you happen to have a quarterback that didn't quite fit your fit your city, fit your team, fit your your team build but has enough to show and drive interest from other teams that you know coaches. I mean, you worked in the league. They always think they can fix the guy that has one or two issues. So I look at it as a blessing that you have Justin Fields with these special abilities, these special traits that would allow you to sell him off. 
and then still be in a position, and this is where I have to give Ryan Poles a lot of credit. I may not have agreed with the way he operated to handle Justin Fields in year two and three, but he certainly angled the team in a way where he's able to sell Justin Fields, get returns for it, and still be able to draft a quarterback that he believes in. And I mean, to your point, if if you think that Shane Waldron is a guy that can develop and, and improve Justin Fields, why would you not feel that way about a rookie, that they would be able to build an architect, architecture that would develop and cultivate him as a as a prospect to make sure that he's not stepping out of the lines and, you know, taking unnecessarily hit and that's unnecessary hits. You don't think that well, here's here's Jordan, what I think reality is. OK, and I could be right or wrong on on the final outcome. And I don't care one way or the other if I'm right or wrong. Only the, you know, the a-holes on Twitter care about that so they can come at me. The. The new coaches, offensive coaches, started the office probably last week. And first order of business is to break down last year's tape. They got to make a decision whether they think they can win with him or you got to go in another direction. And I think a lot of the decision will be made based on their opinion. If Shane Waldron comes in, you know, to Ryan Poles and says, I can't fix it. We can't win. It's all over. Okay. And I'm, and I'm totally wrong. But if he goes in and he says, wow, this guy's got some talent. He just hadn't been used right. I can fix it. I know one, one quarterback coach that I'm very, very fond of. He said, I can fix his biggest flaw in five seconds. And he goes, it just shocks me that they never fixed it, that he sets up too slow. And he goes, why they didn't ever do it? He goes, it sets the whole play back because he sets up too slow. And you still think that, I mean, you're the one speaking to these quarterback coaches, and I mean, certainly you're welcome to share if you'd like, but you, I, I, I certainly agree. I think that his setup slow. I think his drop back slow. I think he's, this is, but this is to me, I mean, whether you, you speak highly of Daniel Jeremiah, you think, I'm sure you don't mind Dane Brugler. These are all guys that are pretty well connected. Both of those guys are going to be on here, by the way. Okay. After the Excellent. And my whole point is that these are guys that when Justin Fields was coming out, not a lot has changed in the development of Justin Fields. He was a methodical passer at Ohio State, a guy that was very mechanical and going from one to two to three. It was all a process, a very slow, methodical process. That's the same guy that you're seeing. Today. I, don't, I, I, I don't agree with that. And then go back to that Clemson game where he totally outplayed Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it wasn't even close. They weren't even on the same plan between the two of them. Okay. In the college football playoff game. And we can we can talk about the Clemson game. What about that Indiana game? He did not play a real good game in Indiana. I, I, uh, I agree. And this with is that. my point: is like we can all pick games. Yeah, and but plays, okay. But... How about this though? Oh, Stroud was is second coming of Jesus Christ right now, right? <laughs> okay. Stroud couldn't beat Michigan. Stroud couldn't win a Big Ten championship, and Stroud couldn't get to the college football playoffs. Correct. Well, you're getting to my point. I'm a JJ. Okay, correct. Now. Okay. <laughs> what happened? What happened with Justin Fields? He got to the college football playoff twice, beat Michigan the two times he played them, and got to the actual championship game of the college football. And he got hurt in that Clemson game. He busted a couple of ribs in that early in that game, and still finished out the game and played really well. So, you know, toughness is not a thing you ever have to worry about with. 
with uh, Justin Field. I just think that with a quality coach, you're going to see a, a different player. I'm not sold on Caleb. It is nothing it, that that's my thing. I'm not sold on Caleb. The intangibles, and it's not the talent; it's the intangibles. So let me ask you this: You know, you obviously had experience being in these buildings. Could you, because you've been saying you think the Bears will draft a quarterback? Now, I guess we can get into how high you think that is. But is it feasible? Is it actually achievable to bring in a young quarterback that you plan to develop while Justin Fields is there, presumably as the guy that you're still developing, you're still behind, where he's got to look behind his shoulder, knowing that hey, Ryan Poles clearly invested in another guy. Okay, here's how I'm going to answer that. You take a guy first overall. You got a lot of pressure to play that guy. To, and and I've had different coaches tell me you can't even get him in the same room. You got to get rid of the other guy. Now let's say you take a guy a later pick in the first round or second round. Forget Aaron Rodgers was the second quarterback taken. He sat for three freaking years. Love sat for three years. There's nothing wrong with that. Mahomes sat for one year. Then you've got you built yourself more time to make that decision. Where if you take Caleb and you're wrong, first of all, you gotta get rid of Fields. You got no choice. And then if he can't play, well, you might as well, you know, nail get the coffin ready because you just killed your career too. And they're gonna and they're and they're gonna lose. So well, I love your idea, Greg. I just think that inherently when we talk about drafting a quarterback later in the first round, unfortunately, we're, we're watching a league that's starved of quality quarterbacks, and the need is so high that when you talk about bottom of the first round quarterbacks, Jordan Love, yes, that was a unique example. But when you're talking about this year, presumably you're looking at guys like Michael Pratt, Michael Penix, Bo Nix. These are guys that have... Michael Pratt's not going in the first... Not, this Even in point. his best stream, he's not going in the Yeah, first no, round. I get it. But the, to your point of, you know, later first round, maybe second round, these are the guys where when we're talking to me, about... To me, it, it depends on... I know the quarterback from what I've been told. I can't say I know 100% definitely. I know that there's a quarterback that they're fond of. I would hope it's the one that I would, I, I tend to believe that there's one that they should be pretty fond of, but. Okay. And know. there is, at least I've been told, okay. Has Ryan Poles told me that? No. The, and you can buy time with this guy. You're not buying time with Caleb Williams. And, and if you trade out, you're going to have picks where you can use that pick and you buy your time. Well, the and you still would, got your guy. The guy that would make the most sense for that is J.J. McCarthy, but then you're hoping presumably that you can get him at nine. Um, and you don't have to confirm or deny, but when we're talking about this quarterback class, the guys that you can buy time with, the guy I would think you'd want to buy time with the most is the guy that just turned 21, that comes from a winning program, that comes from Chicago proper, from that, that region, that's tough as hell, that has character, that came from the bluest blood of programs. But to your point, where is that guy going to go? Believe me, I was, I'd was i love to have said that J.J. McCarthy was going to be available in that Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love range. But that, I mean, you tell me what you're hearing, but I don't get the sense that J.J. McCarthy. No, I, don't, I, I, I don't, you know, it, it's what you hear now and what you're going to hear in two months are going to be two different things because you, we're not done with the process yet. 
okay, number one, everybody's got to get through the medical. And, you know, there could be something wrong with one of the top guys. Okay, then, and I don't care if, if they all skip throwing at the combine, I could care less. Quarterback combine workout is useless. Okay, and so is a pro day. Quarterback pro days are totally useless. They're scripted events. The pro coaches have nothing to do with what goes on. And they're they're scripted to show the strengths of the player, not any weaknesses. <laughs> not any weaknesses at all. But now when you do a private and you know, I've said this before, so I'm repeating myself and I've written it. You're you're talking six or seven hours. You're going in there, might go in the night before and take them out to dinner and just have small talk. But then you get in the class, first thing in the morning, get them in the classroom, get in the meeting room, and you get them on the board. And the first thing you're going to do is you're going to, oh, you're going to talk a little bit, and then you're going to have him describe, you know, right up and dissect some of his own plays, you know, that he ran and, and why they ran them and how they worked the synthesis behind the plays. Then most coaches will start to install their own. Maybe they're going to three plays, four plays, write them up on the board. And the kids, they're, they're watching to get taken notes and see if he takes good notes or if he's just half-assed paying attention or whatever. Because then the next step, and, the, and what separates a pro day from a private workout, private workout, the guy never knows what's coming next. So he's got to be on on the ball, but you get them done, you, you, you get done with your your teaching and, and installing stuff. Now you're saying, okay, JJ, okay, Caleb, go up to the board, draw everything I just showed you. And you better have it right. Okay. And then they get done with that. Then it's okay, let's go out to the field. Now we're going to see if you can take it from the classroom to the field. And you can bring if you want, you can even bring your own receivers. <laughs> you know, you don't have to use the ones that that uh, that the school has. So, a private workout with a quarterback is so much better. And 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 in the year Justin came out, and I think that's why Trey Lance busted and and Wilson busted. All you saw was a was a pro day, and you couldn't have that private time. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think there's things to take back from each of those evaluations. I mean, inherently, and it goes back to some of your Parcells, you know, uh, I guess you would say things that you agree with Parcells QB scouting, you know, starting three years, having X win percentage. I mean, with, with Trey Lance, you saw a quarterback that clearly didn't have enough experience. And despite trying to develop him, whether it was injuries that derailed it or the controversy of is it Jimmy and then Brock Purdy takes a spot, but even somebody like Zach Wilson, I agree with you. These guys made their money on pro days. And I, I was a person that was very high on Zach Wilson. And I'll, I'll admit my, my priors, um, and what I think I've learned from him, and this is kind of, you know, something the thing with Justin Fields, too. And I think that it, it's a little bit of things that you can learn from other players, even a J.J. McCarthy, which is Zach Wilson at BYU was thrown from clean pockets consistently. Didn't have a lot of pressure. And it's a now, different. You know what Zach Wilson's problem was? What was he that? No football character. Well, yeah, that, there's that, too. I mean, of course. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. He has talent. There's no question he has talent. He's got no football character. And you, and at this current point, that's your biggest issue with Caleb is that it's not a talent thing. It's all about football character. Do you? Yep. And okay. that's about, and, and, and that can bust him. And if I got a problem with the guy's football character, I can't, I can't do it. Can I ask you, what are your thoughts on Drake May? 
there isn't a quarterback in this. I'll get to it in a second. There isn't a quarterback in this class that doesn't have a fault. Okay, but isn't that every class? Yeah, but I mean, there's no perfect player. Mm-hmm. I like Trey, but he fell off the the second part of the of the season two. Um, people who know him, and I, I know one guy who's known him since high school say his character is off the charts. Mm-hmm. So that part's good. Comes from a good family. He's a humble kid. Uh, he's got the physical attributes. He can make plays with his feet. No, he's not going to make plays like Justin Fields makes. He's not going to make plays like like Caleb can with his feet. But he can extend plays and he can make plays with his feet. He's got a strong enough arm. I think his accuracy, or not accuracy, ball placement, because that's the better word. Ball placement is good. It's not exceptional. He might, in my opinion, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being the third or fourth quarterback taken, not the second quarterback taken. But it's going to be, you know, it's going to be flavor. And when they get through the whole process, this thing could all turn around because the teams that are looking for quarterbacks are going to do the same thing with each guy. They're not going to just do it with one. And then there could turn out. I, I, I wrote this or I tweeted it the other day. I've sent out coaches to work out players that we really like as a, as a scouting staff. And the coach could back and says, I don't want him. He's not going to fit in the room. He can't do what I want him to do, blah, blah, blah. And now you get to a point, well, how can I take him? I can't take him because coach doesn't want him. You can't, you try to throw a player down a, uh, or shove a player down a coach's throat, and it isn't going to work. The coach is going to find a way to make him fail. So it's you got to have both sides sign off. Guys, um, I got a question for both of you. Uh, a lot of criticism in the chat room regarding Justin Fields' mechanics and and uh, somebody claiming that he's got a slow release. After three years, whatever mechanical problems Justin Fields has at the, at the quarterback position, I'll start with you, Jordan. Can those be fixed uh, in year four uh, of his NFL career? Yeah, although it's a great question, I think that they can be fixed. I, I don't know if I want to put a timeline on it. The thing that I've been largely saying with Justin Fields is I want to see him sat behind a successful organization where he's not forced to play. Put him, you know, put him in behind a Lamar Jackson where if Lamar's hurt, you get a similar skill set, but you know there's no way he's going to unseat a Lamar Jackson. You've got a guy that has 135 sacks put on that body, multiple injuries, you know, whether his confidence is crushed, whether he's been through three different offenses, clearly he's not been put in a situation to develop. And I think Greg shares that sentiment that it's not been good throughout three years, not with him, but with the situation around him. So you brought up a really good point though, when you brought up Lamar Jackson, because when Lamar Jackson came out of college, he was a 54% passer they sheltered him last year. He couldn't he couldn't hit water from a boat. Okay. And he got to he got to the league and he got coached. Yeah, they sheltered him, Greg. Right? That's what I'm talking about. They cultivated him. But he they, he still played and, and he played and he grew because he got coached. He was coached by good people. Yeah, he had good people around him, but he still had to make the plays. He still hasn't won in the playoffs. The way you know, it, it's he wins during the season and he's great during the season. It's like a different ball game for him in in, in the playoffs. But um, 
I don't think, you know, you say you'd like to see Justin go somewhere and sit. He ain't going to sit. Whoever, if they trade him. Unfortunately. Yeah. They're trading for him to play, not trading for him to sit. I mean, if, if you're trading for him to, to sit, you're not giving up anything for him. Well, and this is the this is the argument is that I think Justin Fields is skill set. And I know some people are gonna misconstrue this as I'm saying he's a bad guy, bad quarterback. It's not that. I think he has all the talent in the world, but currently discussing his game and his limitations or the areas that he needs to develop, I don't particularly think that there's a lot of offensive coordinators that are fit to make that work. You talk, Greg, about Lamar Jackson. The reason that worked is he had a guy like Greg Roman that built a running scheme around his legs as a way to cultivate and grow and galvanize his skill set to the point where then his arm could develop at a point. Play, play to his strengths, right? And <laughs> where, then, are gonna, where are you going to find that in the league right now? Yeah, but it, 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 that's exactly what Waldron did with Geno Smith. He played to his strengths. You don't have you, you can structure your offense. We're projecting you can keep them. within the same you can you can stay within the same scheme and still structure things a little differently, redesign some play designs to play within the strength of the player. And, and that's what, what Getsy didn't do. Getsy didn't know how to play to the strengths of Justin Fields. And maybe you would know it better than I, but I mean, the, the team that you're also associated with is the New York Giants. If you want to talk about a place where Justin Fields could potentially be in an architecture that would suit him and develop him, I would imagine that Brian, because, and this is the whole thing, is when you talk about Shane Waldron, we're talking about projecting. He, they didn't run Shane, uh, Geno Smith on read options and quarterback power. He doesn't have that game. No, he's not that kind of athlete, but he can but he can extend and make some plays. But he's not the athlete that Justin is. And this is the point, though, is I've seen Brian Dable do that with a guy like Josh Allen, where, you know, the reality is if Daniel Jones isn't the guy in New York, potentially that solves an issue for you where you bring a Justin Fields in. I would trust somebody like Brian Dable to develop him. But to your point, although I just don't know exactly if you're going to see that in Chicago, I, it's not a question about his character. I know the players love him. I'm sure Ryan Poles and others think fondly of him. But at this point, my whole issue with Justin Fields is just about timelines. It doesn't add up with where the team is at the time, with the assets they that they have, with the head coach, with the GM. Where does Justin Fields fit there when you can't totally – are you really going to commit a fifth-year option to him and a potentially a future contract with what he's shown throughout three years? I just don't see timelines that are, are that are parallel with each other. They just don't line up. See, I don't believe you have to, to commit a fifth-year option. You, I, I, you're the third person I've said this to today. You make him earn it. Yeah. You don't pick up the you don't pick up the fifth year option and you make him earn it. And if he earns it, you're glad to pay him at the end of the year. Let me ask you, Greg, did you, because I mean you're close to New York. Do you think that, that worked out for Joe Shane and the New York Giants when they decided to not give a fifth year option to Daniel Jones and then had to pay based him? Based on the year, yeah. Well, based on the year he had, yeah, it did. I mean, he had a rookie co a new coach and and they got to the playoffs, but then Daniel Jones pissed down his leg in year two and then got hurt. You know, he didn't play, wasn't the same player. So in that case, you could come back and say, see, it didn't work out for New York. I, I get that. But they're, they're two different players. And so I don't, you know, I don't know if you're really comparing apples, yeah, I mean, to I, apples I, I, on that. We can look at other places. I mean, and this is a much better scenario, but I look at Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott was another one that he played on the franchise tag, got hurt, then they had to sign him to a massive deal. Well, they couldn't they couldn't give him a fifth-year option. No, because he was a fourth-rounder. Fourth yeah. Yeah. But still, it was it was the same type of thing. They weren't going to extend him. He had a bet on himself.
Yeah, I just anymore. I think that when you when you look around the league and you see these opportunities where it it always seems to be more financially prudent to offer the earlier opportunity to pay a guy and get it at a cheaper rate, whether it's Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, Jordan Love. I mean, you look at Jordan Love and he's obviously developed, but they had an opportunity to string it out and play the fifth year option with him and got creative in a way to lock him down for a longer, cheaper term. Well, uh, they did think- another couple of years, but, the, but it was, and they got it because he hasn't played, but Dustin has played. Now you, you're going to look, you got to look at the agent he has. The agent's going to want yeah, David Mulligetta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's, he's going to want money. So, a guy, I, like I said, you, you got an option. You don't pick up the fifth year. You got two options next year. You either do a new contract, what you you let them go. You do a new contract, or you can tag them. You really got three options. And in the meantime, if I'm correct in saying they're going to draft a guy, you got him developing too. I look at that more as a, a no-lose, where I, I'm i not sure you're going to win with Caleb. No, I, I and this is to, to Aldo, to, to the point that we talked about before even coming on the show, I think that Greg and I probably see very similarly to the, the Caleb Williams situation. I think that, and, you know, we can dance around it. I know that Greg can't speak specifically to the guy that the Bears like, but um, I've consistently said the guy that belongs in Chicago is J.J. That's Park. what I'm hearing. I can't, I, I can't say it's <laughs> exact, I, just what I hear. Yeah. Well, uh, Jordan, I want to thank you very much for popping in and sharing your wisdom and a great segment here with Greg Gabriel. You can find uh, Jordan uh, on Draft on Tap. He's going to be a periodic guest and evaluator on our Wednesday night draft show and also the Butterfly Tailgate show. They'll have some specials during the draft season. Anything else you want to plug, Jordan? Tell people where you're at on Twitter. Yeah, Jordan T. Silvera, I think you can see it there um, on Twitter. If you want to touch base with me on anything football, I know this is all Chicago Bears related, but as Aldo and I think Greg can see, I've, I'm pretty tuned into just the NFL as a league and whole. So if you want to talk about anything, whether it's Bears, you know, team building, assets, anything otherwise, I'm certainly open to discuss it. Thank you, Aldo. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate it. Right. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan. Take care. Wow, what a show, man. I thought this was going to be like a 30-minute segment. Uh, it, we are at the one hour and 30-minute mark exactly right well, now. I figured, you know, I knew it was going to go longer than five minutes a person. Yeah, but, well, you start small and it just grows. <laughs> but I, I like your idea of having I, – I think you'd have to limit it to three if, yeah. if we did it again. But uh, and, and you could get – you know, a case where you got some talking over, which is fine. Um, mm-hmm. But in, in a case like that, you as the moderator has got to, you know, pop in and say, shut the fuck up, let the other guy talk, you know. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> I got practice. My wife says that to me all the time. <laughs> um, so, you, so you don't need that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Actually, I should record her saying it and then use it as a sound effect because <laughs> right. it's yeah, it's good. much better when she says it. <laughs> um, next week we will be back here on Tuesday, right? Right, uh, and we're going to talk combine, combine, and lots of combine yeah. talk. It's going to be a great show next Tuesday, and then we'll have first workouts are Thursday, Thursday next week. And, you know, mm-hmm. and everything's been flip flopped. Right. You got defense first instead of offense. <clears throat> yeah. So you got the defensive line going first, mm-hmm. then the and, linebackers, and then the defensive backs. Right. And, and go ahead. Are you going to uh, talk about specific players that you'll be looking for their workouts? 
and why? Maybe. You know, part of it is um, I'm losing my breath here. Um, Take your time. You know, kind of walk through what the combine's like, what it's mm-hmm. about. You know, and it changes a little bit. Yep. Uh MMA tit one, two, three says, I completely disagree with you, Greg, but I respect you and appreciate this discussion here. There have been tons and tons of comments. Uh, hey, I may be 100% wrong on this. Mm-hmm. And we'll know in two months. That's right. Or Very less. soon. Very or soon. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. And, and if, if I'm wrong, so what? That okay. could be the first time I'm wrong. All right. Uh, and uh, you'll still have a better correction record than me. <laughs> I'll tell you that in most fans. Um, one last question before I get you out of here. Will you be disappointed if Caleb Williams doesn't participate in the drills at the combine? No. If, if all the quarterbacks said no, I wouldn't be disappointed. You know, really? like the, uh, I mean, first of all, most of them don't want to run. Unless they know they're fast, then they mm-hmm. want to run. <laughs> now, they didn't have a combine when Fields came out. That right. was the one year they didn't. Yeah. Um, the throwing, if I was an agent, I'll honest opinion, I'd say don't throw. Because it's 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 really not conducive to making your guy look good. You know, he makes two or three throws, goes to the back of the line, makes two or three throws again, goes to the back of the line. You don't get any rhythm. You don't know who you're throwing to. You know, it's maybe seven different throws or eight different throws in the course of the combine. Mm-hmm. It, it, what's it tell you besides nothing? Yeah. I would think that the only thing you can get a good idea is whether they can make that throw from the far hash mark to the sideline to see how much mm-hmm. juice they have, you know? Well, yeah, that, that's a point. But on the bad side, he's doing it in a dome. Mm-hmm. Where if he can't do it there, he can't do it, period. <laughs> great point. All right, we've got so much more to talk about over the next several weeks, and we've got some great guests uh, planned, uh, and we'll do this roundtable debate discussion again real soon. The best place uh, to stay on top of what we're doing here at the Barroom Network is to subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us at Barroom Network. And, of course, I know all of you are already following G-Gabe Football, and I want to thank all of our participants in the debate. Greg, you were absolutely great, and uh, we'll see you next week, brother. That was fun. Thanks. You got it. Take care, everyone. Later.